The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. Hello, I am Matt Minnick. Welcome to Bangles Chalk Talk, the most men to me. I'm a lucky one, and we've just begun. I've got Dan Hoard on soon edition. That's, of course, a tip of the hat to my guest today, Dan Hoard, who, in addition to being the radio voice of the Bengals, hosts the Bengals Booth podcast, and on that podcast, he Names every episode after a song and likes to start off the podcast by singing a few bars. So tip of the hat to my guest, Mr. Ward. So without any further ado, because we all hit ado, here is my interview with Dan Ward. All right. Today, I am joined by voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, Dan Ward. Dan, how are you doing today? Matt, I am doing well. Hope you are doing well also. It's a rainy day here in Cincinnati, but I'm uh, I'm still basking in the glow of the drafting of Joe Burrow. Absolutely. Um, you know, clear skies ahead for the Bengals from, from what it looks like. Uh, just the, you know, no question. Excited to, uh, hopefully, uh, sounds like Ohio is, is starting to reopen and, you know, hopefully uh, as – as teams are able to uh, bring in some personnel, hopefully the next step is being able to get some of these guys together. Uh, there's clips out this morning of Tom Brady throwing some balls with uh, with some of the Bucks receivers, and um, really, really hoping to see Burrow at least on an independent level out there and making a connection with some of these guys because definitely a, a great group of skill players around him, and, and can't wait to see those guys build some rapport. Um, but, I mean, on that note, the, the Bengals are extremely young at the quarterback position. Uh, and we're looking at the, the entire depth chart, guys who were drafted or undrafted in the last two years. Zach Taylor has recently indicated that he is fine with what they've got at the position. He likes the group they have. Um, do you think that uh, the lack of a veteran backup should be a concern for Bengals fans? Only if Joe Burrow gets hurt. I think the thing is, would you like to have a veteran guy that could help him get through the inevitable ups and downs of a rookie year and the the roller coaster ride that it's sure to be? 
Yeah, you would. But then I look at the pool of candidates out there, and none of them excite me all that much. I know that Joe Flacco has been floated as maybe a guy that makes sense because of his experience and the number of years that he spent in the AFC North. But if Cam Newton can't get a job because of his injury questions, well, do you really want to take a shot at Joe Flacco coming off a neck injury that's really troubled him for the past several years? So of all the candidates out there that might make sense, I think Matt Moore would be the one that I would say, okay, he's been a lot of different places, seems to be a smart player, did well last year when forced into action with Kansas City. But if I'm determining how I'm going to spend any money that I have left under the cap, that would be pretty low on my set of priorities. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, definitely don't want to be investing too much in that position. And I mean, I obviously Finley was, um, you know, had, had some ups and downs to put it nicely uh, in his rookie season. But I mean, I, I think they, I think they like Finley. I, I think they want him to be that guy. Um, so I mean, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. And I know one thing that people have said about the idea of, of Burrow without a veteran behind him is just kind of a leadership aspect. And, Obviously, there are other leaders in the team, other leaders on the offense. In recent years, there's been some great leadership with, with Andy Dalton, with A.J. Green, but those guys not really very vocal. Uh, from everything we've seen and heard about Joe Burrow, it sounds like you're going to have more of a, of a fiery, vocal type of leader on the offensive side of the ball now. Uh, what do you think about the idea of, of Joe Burrow taking on a leadership role while you know, learning on the job as an NFL starting quarterback. I think that's one of the things that excites me most about him. And I think that's one of the major reasons why it was a no-brainer to take him number one overall. Of all the many things that we like about him, that's very high on the top of the list, the leadership that he displayed in his two years as the starter at LSU. And even everything we heard about him before that at Ohio State, I mean, even though he wasn't playing there, those guys looked at him as somebody who had those great leadership qualities. I spent a lot of time talking to UC head coach Luke Fickle about Joe Burrow, even before there was any chance he would become a Bengal because he came so close to transferring to the University of Cincinnati. So I've kind of known about that alpha male personality of his for several years, and I do expect him to come in right away and be one of the biggest leaders on this team. I think that that's not uncommon uh, for the quarterback position, and some rookies have it, and I think he seems to be one that will. Yeah, and you see those qualities on the field, uh, but but also everything that's been, been written about him and, and been talked about the offseason at LSU uh, that led up to the championship run was really highlighted by, by Burrow organizing receivers getting together, staying after spring practices, coming in on Saturdays uh, throughout the summer, and really getting on the same report. And, uh, that's kind of what I was, what I was touching on earlier uh, in, in the intro was I really want to see Burrow starting start to do that stuff with these guys because uh, you know, we, we see in his style of play how important that rapport and kind of one guy knowing what the other guy is going to uh, do is. And uh, – definitely going to be a big part of, of his development is really getting on the same page as all these receivers that the Bengals have. Uh, one of those guys is Tyler Boyd, who has 
showing some leadership qualities himself, uh, you know, from the Miami game where there are those who who were calling it the two-able and at different points during the year thought both of those teams were tanking. And, I mean, you watch the way that guy competed and, and the way he, he fought, you know, through, through a cramp to stand up, to get lined up, uh, to give that team an opportunity at the end of the game. And, I mean, you can see, like, those guys were not quitting on the season, you know, and, and those guys were not looking to be in position to draft anybody. Uh, and to the way he has responded, and, and seems to me that he's been the most vocal uh, responding to, to some of the media that weren't a fan of Joe Burrow uh, to the Bengals uh, and talking about, you know, defeating the myth uh, about Cincinnati and, and proving people wrong. Uh, how do you do you feel that uh, that Boyd uh, is a is a big part of the leadership on that offensive group as well? Yes, I do. I think Boyd and Joe Mixon uh, are both that way, and I love the way that that Boyd not only fought back against people that have taken shots at the team uh, in the off season, but even recently when I think it was ESPN, maybe it was the NFL Network, but one of the two posted something on social media saying, which of these duos do you pick? Joe Burrow to A.J. Green or Baker Mayfield to Odell Beckham Jr. And, you know, it's, it's not meant to be insulting. Uh, it's just a poll. But Boyd you know, very vocally came out in favor of his teammates, his future teammate, Joe Burrow and, and A.J. Green. And I just thought that that kind of shows his spirit. He's not backing down from uh, anything or anybody. And anytime he feels that there is the, the slightest uh, negative slant toward the Bengals, he's going to come out publicly, regardless of any sort of uh, backlash that he might get. So I think, uh, as I said earlier, he and Mixon fit that description. And I think those two plus Burrow makes a, a really good leadership trio on offense. Yeah, and it's funny because people talk about, well, are they really going to respect Joe Burrow? Well, number one, if he if he competes and you know he's going out there and 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 doing everything he needs to do and, and leading this team to some wins, they're going to get on board with him pretty quickly. And um, the other thing is, it's not like he's a kid. You know, he he's the same age as Joe Mixon. You know, <laughs> so uh, it's not like a like a, a twenty year old rookie coming in and trying to trying to be a leader. Uh, you know, he is. He is up there with some of the veterans, some of these guys that are looking at, at second contracts coming up here pretty soon. So, um, I also also should mention that Tyler Boyd uh, was on your podcast just last week. So uh, anybody who didn't catch that one, uh, you can hear uh, Tyler Boyd and uh, David Fulcher as well uh, on, on your podcast last week. So definitely uh, check out the Bengals Booth podcast. Um, now, on the note of the receiver position, that has become a major strength of, of, this, uh, of this group. And they've got A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, Auden Tate, and now T. Higgins. The Bengals were primarily in 11 personnel last year, which means they only had three receivers on the, on the field. A lot of people like to talk about LSU's empty and all the uh, empty formations that they ran, but while it looked like they had five receivers on the field, they were an 11 person all the majority of the time as well, uh, just with tight ends and, and running backs split out. So how do you think the Bengals are going to make the most of all the talent they have at the wide receiver position and get all these guys involved? It's a good question. I still think they will be primarily 11 personnel because I think that's the system 
that Zach Taylor brought with him uh, that worked so well under Sean McVay. Now the Rams took a little bit of a step backward last year offensively, so maybe the NFL has caught up to some of the stuff that they were doing. But I still think that will be their primary personnel grouping. Uh, the fact that they did not draft another tight end after losing Tyler Eifert uh, indicates to me that they're not going to go to more tight ends uh, than they, they typically did last year, although they played with two more often late in the season than they did early in the season. But I would expect the primary group to be three wide receivers, one tight end. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see that. Um, and, and I know, you know there's, the, there's the big three coming back with Ross and then, and then a high-value pick on Higgins and a lot of Auden Tate fans out there too, and, and for good reason. So it'll be interesting to see how they uh, make the most use out of those guys. Um, now, switching over to the, to the defensive side of the ball, uh, another very interesting position that has become recently saturated with talent is linebacker. So the Bengals were hurting at the linebacker position. You know, really uh, uh, had very few even bodies there at one point this offseason. But they brought in Josh Bynes. They brought in Austin Calitro, uh, drafted three linebackers, and picked up a UDFA. How do you think that uh, that they're going to use these linebackers, and you know, what do you think is the plan to to get these guys involved? Well, I think they're going to have two on the field most of the time, and that's obviously become the norm in the NFL. You're in the nickel package most of the time because of the number of wide receivers that are on the opposite side of the ball. So I think if you've got two on the field most of the time, Jermaine Pratt is going to be one of the two. Uh, on almost every down, he displayed decent ability la- uh, late in the season against the run and the pass. So I think he is the one that's likely to get the most snaps. Josh Bynes early in the season will certainly be out there on rundowns. But as the season evolves, it will be interesting to see which of the other guys gets more and more time. Uh, if you look at the draft, I guess you have to kind of put them in order of how they were picked, at least going into camp. Uh, with Logan Wilson first, Akeem Davis-Gaither second, and Marcus Bailey third. But who knows, ultimately, which of those guys is going to turn out to be the best. It could very easily be Marcus Bailey, the last one picked, since the only reason he lasted that long was his torn ACL after week two of the college season last year. Um, I saw Daniel Jeremiah had him with a second-round grade before the injury, so maybe he turns out to be the best of the three. 
One thing I like about this coaching staff is that I think we learned last year they are not going to determine who gets the bulk of the playing time based on where they were picked. We saw with the decision to start Trey Hopkins over a first-round draft pick in Billy Price that they're going to go to camp with an open mind and let the best guy win, uh, make it a true meritocracy. And uh, that's why I'm so intrigued by seeing those three linebackers in person when training camp eventually begins, because I think out of those three guys, at least one, and hopefully more, but at least one is going to work out. I just think they increase their odds by investing three-sevenths of their draft into one position. All three guys obviously have great uh, athletic ability, so let's get to camp and let the best man win. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they, they really address the position well because all of those guys are good against the pass, and I've, that's been the, the problem in that position group in, in recent years. And even even Jermaine Pratt, who had a an impressive rookie season, uh, despite the fact that he's a converted safety, I think that's not necessarily the strength of his game. So uh, bringing in some guys that, that have that uh, to them and can stand out in that way, and especially in a, in a passing league, uh, that's, a, that's a great move on their part. Now, moving back to offense. Uh, so the offensive line, they brought in Xavier Suofilo in free agency and uh, drafted Hakeem Adenogy. Uh Both of them are guys that, I feel I feel pretty good about uh, and project uh, you know to be able to make a, a difference on this team at some point. But many Bengals fans were hoping that they would make a bigger splash at the position uh, at tackle or guard, either in free agency or the NFL draft. Uh, now Larry Warford has become available, and that's getting a lot of buzz, uh, obviously. So do you think the Bengals would consider making a move on a guy like that, or do you think that they're content with the the group and the competition that they have at that position right now? I don't see Larry Warford being available for the price that they're willing to spend, unless my guess is off and he's willing to play for a lot less than he played for last year in New Orleans. I think he made $7 million plus last season. I mean, if that number came way, way down, then sure. Uh, why not? He's a three-time pro bowler. He went to UK. He's a good player, although I do scratch my head a little bit wondering why the Saints were so willing to let him go in favor of a rookie who played center last year in college <laughs> in Michigan. But in any case, if the price was low enough, yes. But realistically, I don't see that being the case. I think there's somebody out there in the NFL that's going to pay him close to what he was making with the Saints, close to 7 mil. And again, then it gets back to the question we discussed earlier when talking about a potential veteran backup quarterback, do you want to spend that money on Larry Warford or do you want to extend Joe Mixon, A.J. Green, Carl Lawson, Will Jackson if he plays well again this year? That's where I want my salary cap space to go, even though, like everybody else, I'm still a little bit nervous about the status of this offensive line. Yeah, and you you uh you know, you mentioned the finite amount of resources available and right now we're looking at AJ Green, we're looking at Joe Mixon as potential uh extensions before the season start. Uh do you think that those are deals that that get done do you, or you know, do you think those guys want to play it out is 
the potential loss of income from from not uh, you know not having fans at games potentially in the fall an issue or you know what's, what's the story with uh, with the extension for those guys? I would say based on the Bengals' history for extending their star players before they go into the final year of their contract, that at least one of those two deals will get done. I wouldn't be shocked if it's both, but I feel very confident that at least one will get done. If I had to say which one, I would guess Joe Mixon, just because there are no injury questions involved. Uh, But again, it wouldn't shock me if they were able to get both done. It all comes down to what those two guys want. If Mixon wants Christian McCaffrey's contract, it won't get done. It's going to have to be less than that. Uh, if A.J. Green wants Julio Jones' deal, it's not going to get done. It needs to be less than that. But if those guys are asking for the type of money they deserve but not money that is unrealistic, then again, based on the Bengals' history of extending guys going into the final year of their deal, I think one, if not both, will get done. Yeah, and you look at the recent history – Last year, uh, it was it was Boyd and uh, and AJ Green, and they got it done with Boyd. And I mean, who knows? Maybe something gets done with AJ Green during training camp, if uh, if not for the injury. Uh, and I think it was the year before that uh, they were they were coming into about the time uh, of camp and and looking at uh, Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap going into contract years, and they managed to to take care of both of those guys by the end of the camp. So they definitely. Uh, you know, they have a way of taking care of these things and taking care of their own, especially for those, those high-profile guys. Um, and uh, obviously with, uh, with, the, with the new quarterback coming in, uh, you know, you're, you're hoping that they're going to solidify a lot of those things around them and try and have some, some consistency from, from year one to year two with, uh, with Joe Burrow and that offense. So thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, where can people follow you and your work? Uh, easy to find on Twitter at Dan underscore Horde, H-O-A-R-D. You mentioned the podcast. It's called the Bengals Booth Podcast. I post one once a week in the off season and twice a week during the season. Uh, you can find the Bengals Booth Podcast basically anywhere that uh, you normally get your podcast. And then once the season rolls around, uh, I'm hard to avoid if you're a Bengals fan <laughs> between broadcasting the games and doing the shows that I do during the week uh, with Dave Lapham and also doing stuff for the website. So I uh, appreciate you having me on, uh, Matt, and I enjoyed the chat. We, uh, we, we appreciate uh, all the stuff you do. And, I mean, there's a lot of great Bengals content out there. It's a, it's a great, great fan base to follow. Uh, so keep, uh, you know, keep tuned into this podcast channel as well, and we'll keep having great guests like Dan throughout the offseason. And, uh, you know, talking about those, those bright skies ahead of us with, uh, with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, like we were talking about earlier. So thanks for tuning in today, and uh, who day? Yeah, we coming for